Hey everyone, welcome to Hub City Church. We are ordinary people following an extraordinary God together. If you want more information about Hub City Church, find us online at thehubcitychurch.com connect and fill out our digital connect card. Now let's dive into this week's message. So here's the scripture reading for today. This is from the book of Matthew, chapter 5, uh, verses 14 through 16. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that can't be hidden. No one puts a lamp, lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In that same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. This is the word of the Lord. Ah, uh, happy Sunday, everybody. Happy Sunday. Here we go. Who's done with their Christmas shopping? Any, any superstars in the room? Look at you. Good for you. I haven't even started. This guy up here. My kids would not get gifts if it wasn't for my wife. Um, nor would our family. Nor would I. Uh, she's lucky she gets gifts because... I am not the guy that's planning ahead on that stuff. So good for you. Uh, you got those gifts. You got all that stuff going. Uh, we got a, a fun weekend next weekend with, with our candlelight services. And then we are uh, taking a weekend off. So on the 31st, don't show up because no one will be here. Uh, you will be a lone light in the darkness if you, uh, if you show up on the 31st. Yes, that was a little pun with our series, The Lights, Christmas. Yes, you will be all the, Okay. Anyways, we've been talking about Christmas lights for the, for the whole month and looking at the imagery of light and the symbolism that we see through scripture uh, and, and each week kind of expanding on this, this image, this visual of light and because we see a lot of light in the Christmas season. And so at the very beginning of week one, we talked about light representing Jesus' identity and his divinity uh, as the son of God and light represents divinity. And then we saw light represents eternity, right? And how light is all about the eternal kingdom of God and, and spending all of time in, in heaven and in the presence of God and in the light of God's presence. It's going to be beautiful. Last week, we talked about holiness, or it represents purity. Some of you like when things all match up, right? Identity, eternity, purity. Nobody caught that? Okay. Uh, Anyways, I like that. That's the way my brain functions, is I like that kind of simplicity. Oh, that's not even my notes. You're getting that one for free. Uh, but this week, we're talking about shining a light. Being a light is, is a part of our functionality, right? Or our capacity and our capability or whatever it that you want to add on it. Luminosity. Ooh, purposicity. We're just making words this morning. But light is meant to shine in the darkness. What good is light in the light? You ever see somebody light their Christmas lights during the daytime? They forgot to put them on a timer. They just left them on. You drive by somebody's house, and they've got the snowman inflated and all of this. But then you also notice, like, all of the regular lights are on. And you're just thinking, good job, buddy. Way to go, Clark Griswold. Like, how did that work? You know? But... They don't really have the same impact either. There's really no effect in the daytime when those lights are on. The lights are meant to shine in the dark. And today is a reminder that Jesus left the comforts of heaven to come shine his light in the dark. And we need to leave our comfort zones to go bring light into the dark. 
And Jesus gives us this passage out of the Sermon on the Mount, and he shifts the conversation in this little couple of sentences. During the Sermon on the Mount, it shifts from all of these images of light that we've been talking about is the identity of God and the purity of God and the eternity of God. And now we have a functionality. We have a purpose because you and I are the light. It's not just that Jesus came to be a light. He came to make us a part of that light. And we see it in Matthew chapter five. Those were the verses that Josh just read. Verse 14, Jesus starts it out. He says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. You are the light of the world. You see, Jesus is the light of the world, but then he puts this identity on us. That's the beauty of the gospel, is the gospel doesn't just you know, help us get into heaven. It changes who we are. It redefines our identity. You are now a child of light. You are now a part of God's family. You're a part of uh, you know, what God has and his purposes and his, his plans, and he is the light, but he's also saying to you and I, you are the light. You've been living in darkness, but Jesus transforms us from the inside out and says, you are a child of light. You are thumbprinted or imprinted with the, the, the identity and the image of God. And so the gospel redefines our identity, but it also redefines our functionality because it's you are the light, meaning that you and I live to represent and shine the light of Jesus That is our purpose and our functionality now. As a follower of Jesus, I am called to represent the one that I follow. So it's this trajectory change that the gospel has for us. Before we meet Jesus, before we say yes to following Jesus, who are we following? Ourselves? Our purposes, our agendas, our wills, our desires, our wants? Somebody else's plans, purposes, desires, and agendas for our lives. But see, at some point, we have this moment with Jesus, this turning point, this encounter with Jesus, where it changes us. And at that point, there is this transformation, not just in our identity, and not just in our eternity, and not just in our, oh, I feel saved, and I feel loved, and I feel forgiven. It is now a change in our function, a change in our purpose, a change in our will to live, is that you are the light of the world, and you as the light are meant to shine. Shine in that darkness. Represent Jesus and his kingdom in this world. And he describes us with this imagery, because Jesus is a master teacher, gives us illustrations. He says, you are like a city on a hill, visible, right? And you, you picture the, the audience listening to this, and, and we don't, you know, they're on a mountain at this point, so they're probably outside of the city, and they're looking out. Can you picture that? They're sitting on this hill looking out at the city, and they see the city built with all of these the, these stones and these limestones, and, and scholars would say that the, in the daytime, that, that city was still visible because it was on a hill, but then at night, it was even more visible because everything around it was dark, but during the night, everyone would light their lamps, so it would just glow. It's kind of like if you've ever, I don't know if you've been to Vegas. I don't know if we should talk about Vegas. Maybe you've seen Vegas in a movie. How about we just say that, right? you ever seen a movie where Vegas is in it? Uh, maybe you've been there or not. We're not getting into gambling today because that's not what we're talking about. But what we are talking about is the city on a hill, and a city like Vegas is surrounded by dark desert, and then all of a sudden, what? Boom, it's glowing bright. You can see it for miles, right? Bring it back home. What is something on a hill that glows every night that you can see for miles in Burlington? The cross on the hill, right? You didn't even hesitate. You knew that one. Shining bright for all to see. 
Jesus says, you are like that cross on the hill. You are like Vegas shining in the desert, right? Maybe that analogy sticks to some more than others. I don't know. But the imagery that Jesus is getting at, because it would have resonated with them, is they would picture being outside of the city at night, and they could see the city from a long distance on a traveling journey. Or they could picture the light shining in the darkness from a long distance. And what Jesus is saying is your faith is not to be hidden. That cross is not hidden in Burlington. It shines bright every night. And sometimes our faith gets hidden, shrouded, covered. But it's meant to shine in the dark. And the beauty of that imagery is that it is meant to shine in the dark. So some of us look at our culture, we look at our world, we look at our society, and what would we say? Man, we're living in dark times. It's confusing, it's emotional, it's broken, it's sinful, it's depraved, it's going, it's getting flushed down the toilet, right? Some of us might say these things about our culture and about our world and our society. It's surrounded by arrogance or apathy or hopelessness and helplessness and hurt and pain and suffering and difficulty and war and famine and disasters and, you know, polar vortexes that are wiping out eastern seaboards and all of these things, right? And then we got Barbie movies coming out. I mean, it's just, it's, it's anarchy out there. I didn't see Barbie. Maybe you did. But we've gone to Vegas and Barbie and all of these things, right? We live in a dark time. And as silly as that sounds, I think some of us, we look at the world and we're just like, it is a dark time and now I want to withdraw. We want to take our light, and we want to go hang out with other lights. The light is meant to shine in the darkness. We can't be scared and withdraw. We can't get angry and choose to just fight. This is, if anything, our time to shine, as Jesus might say. You are a light in this world. This is your time to go into the dark world and shine the presence of Jesus, the character of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus, the image of Jesus, because you and I are the light of the world. We are to shine our brightest when it feels the darkest. And Jesus reiterated this idea of not hiding our faith when he talked about putting our lamp under a basket. In verse 15, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. So Jesus is acknowledging, even to this ancient audience listening to him, you have a faith, but there are times where we want to retreat. We want to hide. What would be some of the reasons that we would hide our faith? I mean, Jesus is the best thing that could happen to us. I don't think anybody in this room, I'm looking around the room, I know most of you, if not all of you. Yeah, pretty, pretty dialed in. Some might know more than others, but Jesus is the best thing in our lives, the best person, most life-changing decision we've ever made is to say yes to following Jesus. Why in the world would we hide that? Just shout it out. What are some reasons that you and I might hide our faith? Put it under a basket, right? This little light of mine. How many of you have been thinking this song for four weeks? You're just waiting for it. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bush? Oh no, I'm going to let it shine. But we do hide it under a bush. Why might we hide our light under a bush? Why might we hide it under a basket, as Jesus said? We've been doing it for generations. What are some of those reasons that you would hide your faith? You're afraid. You're scared. 
peer pressure. What will people say? How will they treat me? What else? Hmm? You want to fit in. I don't, want to, I don't want to step on any toes. I don't want somebody to reject me. I don't want to be mistreated here. I don't want to be ostracized. So I'm just going to be quiet about this whole Jesus thing right now. Doubt. We might be wrestling with our own questions, our own doubts, our own thoughts. Unjust accusations. Being, being afraid of being attacked or misunderstood. How about stereotyped? You don't want your friends... You don't want your friends to act differently because they find out you go to church and you love Jesus and you're one of those Bible people. Unfair stereotypes. We don't want to be a wackadoodle. Insecurity, shame, doubt, fear, worry, all of these things cause us to want to hide our faith under a basket. And Jesus says, a lamp is meant to shine. Your faith is meant to shine. It's not meant to be hidden. And Jesus' words challenge me, and I think it challenges all of us, to personally acknowledge what are those things that keep our faith hidden. And we've got to begin to let go of those excuses. We've got to acknowledge them and articulate them, and we've got to begin to let go and stop hiding our faith because our faith is not meant to be hidden. It's meant to shine. And today, I want to just focus in on two things that I think can help keep us shining. Two things that we could be thinking about to to shine our light bright and not keep it hidden. Oh no, I'm not going to hide it under a bush, right? I'm going to shine my light. I'm going to share my faith. I'm going to show and share Jesus with my world because Jesus is the best person in my life. He's changed my life. He's changed my eternity. He's changed my identity. He's given me hope. Why in the world would I... shroud this in fear and insecurity and and misunderstanding and all of these things what keeps me shining my light what propels us to keep shining our light one of the things that i i I see here in scripture is we will shine our light when we realize that it's god-fueled and not self-fueled when our faith and our, our our whole belief system and 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 identity as a christ follower is is rooted in ourselves, it's going to be hard to shine bright. But when it's God-fueled, Jesus uses this example of a lamp. And, and, and the lamps that they had didn't plug in like ours, right? And so what they were fueled by is oil. And they would put these, these oils in, and it would have this long spout with a wick, and they would light the wick, and it would light up, and it, would, it was a fancy lamp. And it would light up the room. But what kept the lamp burning was the oil in the lamp, and it was fueled by that. And I, I think looking at the imagery of Jesus saying, you are a light into the world, you are a lamp, right, is that you and I are a conduit for that light. But what is fueling that light is the Holy Spirit, the power of God and the presence of God in our lives. It's the gospel within us that the Apostle Paul conveyed this idea, this imagery of us being these fragile containers of light. Jesus would say, you're the light of the world. You're a lamp, right? What do you do with a lamp? Well, we're going to get into that in a second. But what fills that lamp is the oil that keeps the light burning. Paul talks about it like this. Look at the Apostle Paul's writing when he tells the early church to shine bright. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Now, 
we now have this light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We now have this light shining in our hearts. This light is the, is the gospel. It's the truth of Jesus. It's the presence of God. Uh, Jesus says that when we, we choose to follow him, that the, the spirit of God dwells within us. We have this treasure within us that is shining bright. But we ourselves, as Paul says, are what? Fragile clay jars. We're just temporary, futile, rough containers. But we contain this priceless treasure of the gospel. We contain this priceless treasure of God's presence and the power of God. And the power to shine bright in this dark world is powered by God alone. Look at what he says there at the end of that verse. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. How many of us are trying to shine bright based on our own strength, our own talents? Oh, I gotta represent Jesus in my world or in my workplace or in my school or in my home. And so we're leaning into our own understanding, our own knowledge, our own insight, our own, oh, I've got this great argument I can make with this person. We're just leaning into ourselves. We're leaning into our personality. We're leaning into our strengths, our experience, our knowledge, our traits, our Enneagrams, our Myers-Briggs personalities. Well, I'm not extroverted, so I guess I can't really shine a bright light for Jesus because I'm more of an introvert. You see, to me, like when we lean into personality, when we lean into knowledge, we lean into our traits and our, our makeup as a person, and we use that as the thing that qualifies us or disqualifies us, what we are doing is saying that my light is fueled by myself, not by the power of God. Well, I'm more educated in this, or I'm not educated in this. Well, I'm more articulate in this. Well, I'm not articulate in this. Well, I can answer this question. Well, I can't answer this question. You see, that is a fuel that is from ourselves, not from the power of God, not from the presence of God in our lives, and we are trying to light a lamp based on ourselves. And when we do that, we disqualify or we qualify ourselves, but I think what we also build up is this pressure for results. How many of us have felt pressure to shine a light in our, in our world? I've got to yield a certain result. I've got to get a byproduct here. I've got to see my friends come to church. I've got to see my friends get saved and baptized and all of this. We put such a pressure on ourselves to yield results or pretend to be somebody else that I'm not. And then, I don't know about you, to me, when I feel disingenuous, it just feels like such a betrayal to the other people, but also to myself. I'm trying to be somebody I'm not. And when I'm trying to be somebody I'm not, I am trying to shine my light based on my own fuel, based on my own strength, based on my own personality, based on my own knowledge. But what Paul says is, you're a fragile clay jar. You contain a great treasure. And it makes it clear that our power comes from God, not from ourselves. The ability to shine bright in this world does not come because of your personality traits or because of your knowledge or because of how much you've come to church. Your ability to shine bright in the darkness is fueled by the power of God in our lives. The Holy Spirit is the one that gives us boldness and courage and inspiring things to say. He inspires our words. He prompts us to say, let's do this, or let's say this, or let's go here. There's promptings that you and I can follow based on the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives, right? He gives us the courage to act. He gives us 
spiritual gifts to exercise in and operate in and function within. He gives us power and boldness. We see this in scripture and we see this in the church today. That is the fuel from God, not fuel from myself. But even let's take a step back from from this missional component of shining a a bright light. Just think for, for yourselves about being a fragile clay jar, as Paul says, and having that bright treasure within you. How many of you got that bright treasure within you because you were good enough on your own? Yeah, you're all shaking your head. We are not saved because of our own strength. We are not loved because of our own strength. We are not forgiven because of our own strength. We are not given eternity because of our own strength. We're not welcomed into God's family because of our own strength. Why would we think it's our own strength that then has purpose and mission? And Well, it depends on me to shine bright for Jesus. And so I'll go into my workplace with pressure to be something I'm not. We go into our classrooms, we go into our neighborhoods, we go into our sports teams with pressure to be someone we're not and to shine a bright light that we just, that's not how we're wired, that's not how we're made. And we're more dependent upon ourselves than we are dependent upon the Holy Spirit. And see, that's again, we're trying to fuel that lamp with something that isn't fueled by the Holy Spirit. And that lamp's gonna run out of energy. That lamp is gonna get discouraged. That lamp is gonna wanna give up. The Holy Spirit is the oil in our lamp, or in modern days, if you want to update this to 2023, the Holy Spirit is our batteries and our flashlight, charging us, giving us strength, giving us power. And we're going into a dark moment, wherever it would be. We need to stop and and just recognize that and ask God for strength, courage, inspiration, fuel. Whenever I go into sub uh, in, in, in one of the public schools, I get an opportunity periodically to go substitute teach. I don't just walk in with my coffee cup filled up to the cup or filled up to the, to the brim saying, I got my fuel, although I need it. I need my caffeine, right? When I'm going to work with little kids, I fill it up. But I'll stop in the parking lot and I will just stop and pray. God, This is a moment for me to be the light in the dark. Whether it's working with a student or a faculty member or another teacher or somebody or a parent or whatever interaction, I have no idea what's about to happen. But God, Holy Spirit, give me eyes to see. Give me ears to hear. Give me courage to shine bright. You see, that's just for me. That's stopping to fill up my lamp with the oil of the Holy Spirit rather than the oil of Sean. Oh, Sean, you got to be this, you got to be that, you got to be this. People are going to find Jesus because you do this, this, and this. Nope, i got to just stop and just say, God, this is what I'm about to walk into. Give me the fuel, give me the inspiration, give me the boldness, give me the courage. Give me you. And maybe that's walking into your workplace every Monday. Walking into your home. Maybe it's walking into your family's house later this week during the holidays. Some of our homes are dark. And you are the light of Jesus. It's not up to you to do it. But here's the beauty. God has chosen to partner with you. That is the beauty of the gospel. That is the beauty of God's narrative is that he has chosen to fill you up with the power of the Holy Spirit to go shine bright in that dark place. To me, that keeps 
me shining. That keeps me glowing, right? The gospel is glowing within you, as Paul says, and God will empower you to shine bright in this dark world. No matter who you think you are, you're a fragile clay jar, but you've got a treasure inside that is ready to shine. The other component to this that I would encourage us is not just God-fueled, but also people-focused, right? That we be people who share the light with others. The encouragement here is that a lot of times we find Jesus, Jesus changes our life, we love Jesus, we love church, we love other Christians, all of this, and then we become like Gollum with the ring, right? And we just like, I love Jesus, and Jesus is just for me. Get away from me, ha, right? And we, we hide our light because we wanna just keep Jesus to ourselves because it's all about how Jesus makes me feel, and we get so narrow-minded and kind of this myopic view, and we forget that, oh, Jesus came to save the world, not just me. So when I say people-focused, not people-pleasing, but people-focused, I want to shine the light, not hoard the light, not keep it for myself. Because in verse 15, when Jesus says this, no, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket, right? He also says, instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. They put it on a stand. This lampstand was somewhere between two to, to five feet high, meters, whatever measurement that they used back in the day. It wasn't feet, that's for sure. But two to five feet high, and they would put it in the room, and the houses were generally one giant room. Can you imagine those living situations? That would have been fun, right? Parents, what do you do when your kid acts up? Like, go to your room. I am. You're right. Go to your corner. But at night, it would get dark, and so they would light this light, or light these lamps, and you'd have this little tiny lamp, right? And picture, you didn't have a whole bunch of them, and you couldn't say, Alexa, turn on the lights. It was just, I had one lamp for the whole house, and I could keep it to myself over here to see what I was doing, and maybe I'm doing some, some chores or housework or whatever, I'm sitting and doing my thing over here, or I could put it on a lampstand two to five feet high, I could set it up there, and it lights up the entire house for everybody to see what's going on in the home. It was a piece of furniture, but it was functional in that way. It was prominently placed so that everyone could see the light. And that, to me, is us being people-focused. It's that we are putting ourselves into situations, but we are not just prominent for our own glory. We are prominent so that other people will benefit from the light. We are people-focused. When you put the lamp on the lampstand, you're people-focused because you're worried about everyone else in the home needs to see as well, not just me. The Old Testament prophet Isaiah said it like this when talking about shining a light for others to see. In chapter 60, verse 1 and 3, he says, Let your light shine for all to see. For the glory of God rises to shine on you. All nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to see your radiance. It sounds very similar to what Jesus is saying. You are the light of the world. You shine it on a lampstand for all to see. And then Isaiah, generations before, says, let your light shine for all to see. For the glory of God rises to shine on you. The glory, the presence, the goodness of God is shining on each of you. And here's the purpose behind that. All nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to you and see the radiance. Why shine a light? The light is not just for us. 
Selfishness keeps it hidden. We just keep the light to ourselves. We keep about our business. We, we forget to care about other people. But Isaiah's words and Jesus' words remind us that the light shines within us and through us so that we can light up the world around us and people can see the gospel and they can have an encounter with Jesus. Isaiah says nations will turn to the light. Kings will come to the light. People will come to the light. They'll see your story of change. They'll see your example because it's shining. It's an example. It's lighting up the world. They'll see your goodness. They'll see the gospel in your lives, in your words, in your actions. And what happens? They are then drawn to Jesus. People in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our schools. People living in darkness, looking for answers and clarity, looking for direction, looking for hope, looking to get out of the state of brokenness that they feel in, and they're looking for a light, and we're sitting in a corner saying, yeah, I got it all figured out. It's great. I love this light. We're sitting here on Sunday mornings like, I got it all figured out. I'm good. We keep Jesus contained to Sunday mornings or keep him contained to our quiet times in our easy chairs. That is us taking the lamp in our house and just sticking it in the corner by ourselves and going full golem. But when we make our faith visible through our words and our actions, it allows us to shine a light. You see, when we think about the imagery of light, there is a component of this external impact. You light a candle or you light a lamp or you, you know, turn on a lamp in a dark room, there is an external impact to the rest of the room. We cannot forget the external impact that our faith can have in the lives of other people. God wants to work through us, right? The mission perspective reminds me to care about somebody else other than myself. Keeps me people focused. When I stay people focused, I care about, man, where's their story? What are they living in? What are they going through? Challenges me to empathize and ask questions and listen and see and notice people. This missional perspective, I mean, it's in one of the most quoted Bible verses of all time, right? God so loved the world that he sent his son Jesus into the world. For God so loved the world that he sent his son into the world. He sent his son into the darkness because he loved somebody else. Will I shine a light because I love somebody else, because I care about somebody else? You see, love for others sends us out into the darkness. We don't get scared of the dark. We aren't angry at the dark. Our heart breaks for the dark. Our heart breaks for other people. So when we say God-fueled and people-focused, I, I think it keeps us propelled and, and compelled to just keep that faith visible. So I just want to end with this question, how do we shine our light? Not on our own strength, not with all of our answers, right? And it's not just about ourselves. We're caring about other people. We want to shine this light. Well, how do we do this? How do we shine a light in the dark? Jesus answers this question for us in verse 16. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. There you go. Jesus answered. How do we do this? How do we shine our light? Let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Let people see the Jesus that you follow. Let people see the Jesus that you follow. Because Jesus is the one that gets all the credit. Notice that. There's something to be said there. Because who does Jesus say, right, gets the praise? 
Let your light shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So the point of us shining our light is so that people will have an encounter with Jesus, not just an encounter with you as a nice person. We want them to find Jesus. And so I'm pointing them, and I want Jesus to get the praise and Jesus to get the honor, right? I share and show my faith so that people will have an encounter with Jesus, not just an encounter with me. Which, again, is a battle within some of us. Because we want to do good so that we feel good. And we get a little affirmation, a little validation. But it's a reminder that I'm not doing this just to be a good person. I'm not doing this so that I yield some sort of a result or a byproduct. I show and share my faith because I want them, I want anyone to have a real moment with Jesus. Because I know what Jesus can do. The second side of that is also to maintain a heart like the Jesus we follow in how we shine a light. Uh, with that imagery of light, the stereotype somebody brought up earlier, how many of us, when we talk about shining our light and being evangelistic, being missional, we get fearful because we're like, I'm going to shine the light in somebody's eyes, and I'm going to blind them, and they're going to hate all light, right? Anytime I wear a headlamp, this is what I do to my family, right? What? And I shine the light, and I'm like, ah, don't look at me. And Christians have developed a reputation where people are like, don't look at me. <laughs> You're blinding me with your light because we do it with such, in my case, I'm doing it accidentally. But in, in a lot of cases, people have a stereotype of Christians is that we are shining our light out of arrogance, superiority, trying to debate and convince and get you right. right? I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but all, the, all I want to say on that is people should be drawn to the light, not repelled by it. Live it in a way that people are drawn to Jesus, not wanting to run away from him. So how do we shine this light? What does that look like? What does it look like to let your good deeds shine out for all to see, where you aren't arrogantly posting it on Instagram, like, hey, I helped somebody with their groceries, right? Like, to me, that's, that's about validate me. But to shine it, all, shine it out for all to see is just to, to live that faith out in a way and not be scared. Exercising patience when you're in a hurry. That's shining your good deeds. How many of you have been in a hurry this week? How many of you have been inconvenienced by somebody at the store or in line or just in life? Exercising that patience is a way that we can shine our light because we worship and follow a patient God who's been patient with us? How about extending kindness to every person that we come in contact with this week? That's shining our light. We worship a kind God, a God that is described as one of the fruits of the Spirit is kindness. So to function and live with a kindness that comes out of us would mean that I am shining the very character and nature of God in my behaviors, in my words, in my actions, in my Facebook posts, to extend kindness for all to see. Offering help when opportunities arise. Not being like, nah, somebody else will figure that one out. But being the first to just, boom, I'm going to go do something. I'm going to be part of that solution. I'm going to go offer the, some help here, right? Being generous instead of stingy. To me, that's shining your light in a dark world. Offering encouraging words when everybody else wants to complain. Complaining is just this. It's kind of like this plague that just happens in rooms and environments that we get in or 
But when you get in there and you find the positive and you encourage and you uplift people with your words, that will shine like a bright light. Taking responsibility for your mistakes instead of looking for blame. You're in a work project or a school project and you just want to, you want to find blame. Instead, take responsibility, take ownership, humble yourself. You'll shine like a bright light this week if you take responsibility for your mistakes rather than try to blame somebody else. And then on the pivoting side of that is, what if this week or in the weeks to come, you looked for credit to hand out to other people? I mean, you will shine like a bright light in your workplace. You start handing out credit to other people. Highlight them, recognize them, affirm them, validate them. And you might think like, oh, these are just small things. Just, yeah, we should be doing it. But in the hustle and bustle of life, we forget that. Sunday mornings, we remember it, right? In our quiet devotional times, we remember those things. I'm talking about tomorrow or this afternoon. When you're living it, go shine your light. Make your faith visible. We are going to have moment after moment after moment. We have opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to allow our words and our teaching and our actions and our behavior and our choices and all of these things allow us the chance to shine our faith in this world. Don't shrink back. Don't hide it. Don't conceal it. Don't keep it for yourself. Don't just keep it for the people that you love the most. Don't just keep it for your church. Go shine that light. Go exemplify. Go live it out. Let's be ready to shine. So church, I want to just pray for us. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you want to take your next step in following Jesus, fill out the digital connect card at thehubcitychurch.com connect. We'd love to celebrate what Jesus is doing in your life. 